Hi, I'm Pastor Kaylee. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Wood Street Chapel in Fortuna, California. You can find out more information about our church at www.woodstreetchapel.org. This morning, we are going to come to a stopping point in our, our study on prayer as we kind of take a break for the month of December. Um, I kind of have a, a different plan of what I'd like to, to see happen in December. So we're going to take maybe a four or five week hiatus, and then we'll come back at the beginning of the year and, and probably close out our, our study on prayer. But the, the question for us this morning is, who doesn't love a, a great adventure story? A, a story where the, the ordinary person steps out into the unknown and into an extraordinary circumstance. That, I mean, if you look at, at most of Hollywood in terms of most of the, the action and adventure genre, I mean, that's kind of just how it works, right? Is that ordinary person stepping out into the extraordinary. And, and there's just something that fascinates us about those kinds of stories, where somebody is carrying on with life as they are, are aware of it, and then in a moment, life changes, in a moment, their, their entire existence is changed forever. A moment where the old life is left behind and they step into the unknown and they awaken to something that is completely bigger than, than what they had imagined. As a side note, our family kind of has this running joke where um, when you hear, if you guys have ever watched Frozen 2, anybody with kids maybe has, has seen Frozen 2, and there's this song that's Into the Unknown. And it's, it's this amazing song. It's sung really well, and it's like ridiculously high. And so we just all sing it in the car like a bunch of goats are dying in our car. And, and so anytime I hear Into the Unknown, it's just... It, I can't help but do that. I, I won't do it because I have a microphone on and it would probably kill all of you if I did. But uh, just kind of imagine a, a family of four belting out in completely unharmonious tones into the unknown. Um, that's what I think of when I see this. So, but anyway, we, we can't help but be drawn to those stories. We love those stories that begin with the opportunity to take the, the red pill or the blue pill, right? We, we love the, the stories uh, that begin with a, a dwarf knocking on the hobbit hole, right? We, we like the, all of those different stories where somebody finds an old abandoned wardrobe in a closet and, and it opens up to a completely different world where the ordinary becomes extraordinary. Simple moments where after that moment, life is never the same again. Why do we love those stories? What, what captivates us? What draws us in? What, what makes us say, yeah, I want more of that? Maybe in part it's because we, we want to be rescued from the mundane. Is it possible that maybe we want to know that there's more to this life than just the day-to-day grind that we, we find ourselves faced with? Maybe it's that we, we want to see that there's some, some way that I can be significant, that I can, can make an impact, that I can actually make a change. Well, hi, baby. <laughs> there's something that is exciting to find out that there's more to just this life in general than me just going to work at 8 o'clock, me, me clocking out at 5 o'clock, going home, making some dinner, going to sleep, 
making sure I have enough toilet paper and on to the next day, right? There, there has to be more to life than just that. All important things, by the way. Uh, but we want to know that there's more. What's interesting is if we, we look at, at the Bible, we see time after time that this, this, isn't, this isn't new. This is something that exists in the Bible. And if we look at the very beginning in the garden, Adam and Eve, they, they were reaching for something more. What they were reaching for wasn't good. They, they reached for that fruit. They were reaching for something outside of, of God and they reached for that fruit and they chose it. But, but that draw existed even back then. The entire book of Ecclesiastes is devoted to this search for meaning. Like, what, what is my life about? A search for significance, a search for purpose. And we're drawn to these stories because it, it, it awakens within us a desire for something more. If we look at Abraham... Abraham, in a moment, is told to pack up everything that he has and to travel to an unknown land, never to return again. In, in one moment, he goes from ordinary day-to-day existence to now something extraordinary is coming about. If we look at, at uh, Moses, 40 years, he's living for 40 years in the wilderness as a run-of-the-mill shepherd, basically in exile, just kind of out there doing his thing. And out of the corner of his eye, he sees a burning bush. And that burning bush takes him from the monotonous existence to living an extraordinary life. If we think of David, David is out minding his own business, also tending sheep. When all of a sudden, one of his brothers comes out and says, hey, there's, there's some dude named Samuel who wants to talk to you. You probably need to come back up to the house. And in that moment, he's anointed king and the ordinary becomes extraordinary. And if we look at each of these stories closely, there's, there's a, a theme, a trend, and that is that we can't be willing to follow God closely if we're not willing to step out into the unknown, if we're not willing to step out from the ordinary into the extraordinary, if we're not willing to take that risk. And so we see time and time again where when God enters the equation, the old life passes away, the new life begins, and there is an awakening. There's, there's this call, this hunger, this desire for more. God reveals himself to us, and, and in revealing himself to us, that, that unknown, that uncertain event, that unpredictability is where God is calling us, where God is drawing us to. That's good news. It's good news that God accomplishes his works in the unknown, in the unpredictable, in the the ever-changing. And why is that good news? Have you looked outside recently? Our our world is unpredictable. Our world is ever-changing. Our environment that we find ourselves is constantly in this state of flux, in this state of chaos. And yet in the midst of all of that, God is still at work. 
And so the question is, how do we participate? How do we partner with God in the midst of the unknown and to the midst of getting called into that unknown? And how does this line up with our study, right? If my people pray. That brings us to the verse that we're going to look at this morning. Second Chronicles chapter 7. I'm finally actually using the verse that we, <laughs> we have used for the title for this series. But there's an important point for us to recognize first. When we look at scripture, especially scripture in the Old Testament, this was a word that came from God that was given to Solomon for a specific time for a specific moment in history, for a specific people, and it is relevant to them in that day, in that moment. However, we can look at what God is sharing with Solomon, and Jesus Christ is saying, yesterday, today, and forever, God doesn't change. And so the promises that God has given to Solomon, they, they are relevant and valid for us to look at today. And so when we look at Second Chronicles Chapter 7, 12 through 15, it says, Then the Lord appeared to Solomon in the night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up the heavens so that there's no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or, or send pestilence among my people. Now, let's pause for just a minute. We need to, to look at this for just a minute. If we stop right there, all of a sudden, we, we kind of start wondering, wait, wait a minute. These aren't necessarily good things. Let's, let's think about the context of where this is coming from. So what has just happened? The temple has just been built. Solomon, uh, the son of David, has all of a sudden shown up, and he has finished the, the construction of the temple. And the temple is looking good. So good, in fact, that God has come down. He has inhabited the, the Holy of Holies. He is, has chosen to bless this place. He is dwelling amongst his people. It's been consecrated and the glory of God has shown up. This was the fulfillment of all of Israel's hopes and dreams. This is what they, they had been waiting for. They were expecting this all the way back to Abraham that, that something like this would come about. And finally, it has. And out of this, now they, they get to become a, a light and a blessing to the nations. That's the, the expectation. Things are good. Th things are going well. Promises are being kept. The future is looking great. And yet in the midst of this, the night after everything has been dedicated, God says to Solomon, when I shut up the heavens so that there's no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence among my people. But God, things are going good. <laughs> why, why do you have to, to talk about those things now? What, why do we need to, to bring all of this up right now? Because the party doesn't last forever. We, we can't get comfortable to the point where we sit back and coast into eternity. So if we take a look at what God's sharing with Solomon and we, we try to apply that to our own lives, what, is, what does that mean? That there, there are going to be hardships that come after I choose to give my life to Christ. There are hardships that will come in this life. Do you know that? 
<laughs> You're like, have you seen my morning? Yes. No. <laughs> there are difficulties that we are going to face. And it's here where we stop and we have to ask and answer that important question. Why is God allowing those difficulties to take place in my life? Why, why is God, you know, sometimes we say, why, why is God causing this to take place in my life? Did you know sometimes God doesn't cause those things to take place? Sometimes you bring those things on yourself. Sometimes. Not all the time. Okay, hear me. That, that's not the case in every circumstance, but maybe that's a good first stop is for us to look at Am I doing something that's actively bringing... Man, my finger hurts every time I hit it with a hammer. Stop it. Don't do that. Right? And so there's that possibility. But you know what else happens? God loves you. And because God loves you, sometimes God disciplines you. God God loves me, and because God loves me, sometimes he disciplines. I love my kids. And God loves my kids so much more than I do. And I, I love my kids, and I, that means I have to discipline them sometimes because I, I want the very best for them. And sometimes when we do things that, that need to be disciplined, God, God wants the very best for me. And because of that, he says, Matt, this is a consequence of your choice. God disciplines those he loves. And it would be so easy for us to, to look at the sovereignty of God and say, you know, God is in control and it's really just whatever he wants to have happen, happens. And so if he wants to send a flood, he sends a flood. If he wants a locust to, to come and devour the land, he's going to do that. It would be easy just to say, well, God's in control and that's just what happens. But there's more to it than that. it falls way too short for us to say that God is just all-powerful and that's just how he is. God's sovereignty can't just be thought about in terms of his power. We ultimately have to think about God's sovereignty in regards to his purpose. What is God trying to bring about? And when we consider what his purposes are, we all of a sudden start to, to have a better idea of what is happening in this world. It's... The purpose of God is to exalt the name of Jesus. To exalt the name of Christ above all things. That, that's the, the purpose of God. And so that every knee should bow. That every tongue would confess that he is Lord. That purpose being that through Jesus, God is reconciling all things the entire world, every tribe, every tongue, every nation unto himself. And that through him, one day, the earth will be filled with his glory. And when we forget that, when we forget that that is God's purpose, we find ourselves in that same mindset as the rest of the world. We find ourselves in that that same thought process of, God, why are you bringing about this thing in, in, in the world? Why are you allowing this to take place? And, and we start questioning. We feel just as lost. We feel just as confused. We feel frustrated. We feel hopeless. We feel answerless. We, we just don't know. 
And once you start into that spiral, all of a sudden you start to kind of retreat into yourself and you, you start to kind of just recognize that, well, maybe life is just this futile struggle and what's the point in trying anyway? But when we remember God's sovereignty and see the, the heartache that he has for his people, the love that he has for his people, the purposes that he has for his people through the cross, through the the eyes of Jesus on the cross. It's the cross that tells us the why. Why is is God doing what he is doing? It's the cross that shows us that, that God is not distant from pain and suffering. He is in our pain and our suffering. It's the cross that reminds us how God actually works, that, that he is a, a God who gives the greatest gift. It's through the tragedy of sin and suffering and death that God brings new life. It's through the t- tragedy and, and heartache and sadness of this world that he says, hey, there, there's more. You may be experiencing this today, but there is more for you in Jesus. And that's the perfect invitation that we see in verse 14. He says, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and heal their land. My eyes and my heart will dwell on them. What, what lies at the heart of that invitation? And, and that's exactly what that is. This is an invitation from God to the people. It's not just to pray. It's to pray and to seek his face. And that's, that's a different kind of prayer. If, if we come back to the study that we've done over the past, we're on week 12 of this, by the way. <laughs> if we come back and look at the past 11 weeks that we have talked about prayer, at the heart of every single teaching, at the heart of every single point that we have covered is seeking the face of God. Because God wants to be in relationship. He wants to be with you in communion with you. So we're, we're not just called to pray. We're called to pray and to seek the face of God. And it, it's in that kind of prayer, it's in that kind of seeking that we're, we're called and drawn into something more. It's important to note that even in this time, God wasn't ever saying show up and throw some more bulls on the burn pile. He never said, hey, just bring me more sacrifices. Give, give me more goats. Give me more blood. Give, give me more of any type of sacrifice that's called out in the Old Testament. That was never what God asked for. And what's interesting is if we look at other uh, Old Testament religions, other Old Testament false gods, that was what they asked for. Oh, just bring, bring me more. Bring me more stuff. Bring me more things. Do what you can to try and get better. Try harder to get my attention. You're not doing enough. That's what the message would be. But that's not God's message. The invitation is to seek his face. 
Recognizing that, that we have to stop bringing him everything that we have. We have to stop bringing him our stuff because he's not interested in your stuff. Did you know that? God doesn't care at all about your stuff. It's like, but I like my stuff. <laughs> I have storage units for my stuff, right? Or, you know, Morgan, I'm, I'm not judging you at all, man. <laughs> you know, I, I, I have a whole back room for my stuff. You know, I, ha- I have the attic for my stuff. I have my shed for my stuff. You can look under my bed and see more of my stuff. But God doesn't, he doesn't need your stuff. Do you know that? God doesn't need your stuff. He wants you and just you. And our response that, that we're being invited to, to participate in here, the prayer is that, that we're to seek his face. And when we seek his face, we're saying, God, you don't want my stuff and I don't want my stuff either. I want you. You are who I seek and it's only you. That's, that's the prayer. And the question, church, for us this morning, is that the cry of our heart, truly? And I can't answer that for you. That, that's something that you have to, to look at yourself and say, yeah, this, that's, that's what I want. This invitation is about recognizing that God wants you. Did you know that God wants you? God wants you so much that he sent his only son to die an incredibly painful, terrible, awful death on a cross for you. That's how much he wants you. It's important to know, it never once says, if my leaders pray, if the pastor will pray, if the priest will pray, if my warriors pray, if those really spiritual people will pray, it says, if my people will pray. My people from the bottom up and the top down. If everyone will pray. We've been talking about prayer for quite a while. And it's time to get down to brass tacks. Do you struggle to pray because you think that you aren't worthy? Do you struggle to pray because you feel like it doesn't come out well? Do you struggle to pray because, Matt, I just don't have the words. You know, when we first started this, there was this, this conversation about, you know, churches have these like hour-long prayer meetings. And, and I know from participating in these throughout my Christian life that, that sometimes you show up at that prayer meeting, and you're like, oh yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna just pray all night for Jesus and it's gonna be amazing. And you show up and then after like the first 90 seconds, you're like, I just burnt through my entire list. What am I supposed to do for the next 58 minutes if it's an hour long meeting? Like, how am I supposed to do this? Right? And it's okay if that's you. It's okay if you struggle to find the words. It's okay if you don't know how to pray because did you know, prayer is a conversation. And as you put yourself into those situations, as you make yourself available, as you stop and you listen, did you know God speaks? God wants to speak to you. He wants to be a part of your life. And so that means that you don't have to have the words. God has all the words. God knows all the words to every song of your heart. Did you know that? And so 
when you struggle to put these prayers into words, we see this invitation to seek his face that awakens us out of that, that rote, ritualistic prayer of God, thank you for this food, bless it to our bodies and give us a good night's sleep, amen. It, it moves us out of the ritualistic prayer and it says, hey, there is more to this than what I have ever imagined. When I seek the face of God, all of a sudden it becomes real. Do you need prayer to become real in your life? This invitation to seek God's face is that invitation to a real prayer life. And it is so easy to get stuck in those, those ritualistic rhythms where we just say, this is what we know. We, we recite the words that, that we know and, and we just move on from there. But when we begin to seek the face of God in our prayer lives, we realize that all of the other kinds of prayers are really just trying to face God towards us. When I bring my ritualistic prayer, my God, thank you for this food. God, give me a good night's sleep. God, help me to do this thing well. God, give me this. God, God, give me, 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 me. That is a matter of me trying to, to turn God's face to me. And maybe we don't recognize that sometimes, but that's what it is. But we're not called to do that. We're not called to, to move God's face to me. I'm called to orient myself to God's face. That's, that's how we, we're called to seek the face of God. Not, not by moving it to myself, but putting myself in line with what God has for my life. And when we begin to seek the face of God in our prayer lives, we realize that, that everything else was just filler. But when we seek the face of God, we, we, our desires become his desires. When we seek the face of God, his promises become the, the purpose for which I'm living. His purposes are, are now my purposes. <laughs> Love you, Vivi. She, got the beat. she does. She's going to do drums next time. Uh, the question. Trying to seek the face of God can be a scary thing. Why is it scary? It's not because God's scary. God loves you. But it's the unknown. It's stepping out into the unknown, and that is a scary thing. The unknown is scary because we like plans. We like a, a nice, tight schedule. We like a calendar that, that tells us what we're going to do on each day. We, we like a, a routine. We like check boxes. Am I speaking your prayer language, Tim? Uh, or your, your love language, sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, that, that is the, the love language of our family as well. When, when uh, my kids wake up, the, the first question is, what are we going to do today? And then, so we, we say, okay, this is what we're going to do this morning. And, and then the, inevitably, the next question is, well, what are we going to do after that? 
And then maybe after that, I mean, honestly, if I could give them a rundown for the entire calendar year of date, like what exactly was going to happen, what you're going to eat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, they would be all for it. But let's be honest, how many of us would be as well? Yeah, I I like to know what's going to happen. And when I partner with God, that means that I'm saying all of that is now set aside and I'm stepping out into the unknown. But again, Stepping out into the unknown is where great things happen, where the ordinary becomes extraordinary. Where the disciples, who were just ordinary fishermen, they stepped out into the unknown, and, and away from worrying about how many fish do I need to catch today, to I am now going to follow this teacher who has just called me out of my boat, and I'm going to go see what happens. The ordinary becomes Extraordinary. That is the invitation that, that exists for us today. As, as we continue into this study of prayer, we're called to become the extraordinary, not out of ourselves, but out of what God has called us to. Seeking the face of God is about putting him above all of our desires, above all of our requests. And it's this kind of prayer that that stops looking at the the wind and the waves that are on the ocean and it says, I don't need to worry about the wind and the waves on the sea because I can see the face of God and I can get out on the water. That's what happens when we start seeking the face of God. It's his face where we find the healer of our bodies. It's, It's his face where we find our creator. It's his face where we see our master, our Lord, our resurrector is his face. And the beautiful part is you don't have to struggle to find him. He invites you. He invites you. He says, I'm I'm right here. Just, Just look at me. You're invited to see him and to seek his face. And if my people pray and they seek my face, then what? He says, my eyes and my heart will be with them. What does that mean? It means that God will see you, he will know what is happening with you, and he will love you. And I will dwell with you, you will see me, and I will come to you. This invitation of, of seeking God's face, if my people pray, Really what it's saying is that if, if my people pray, I will come down. If my people pray and, and they, they seek my face and they, they ask for me to move in these situations, I will show up. I will be faithful. I will keep the promises that I have made if my people pray. That's the invitation that exists for us this morning is, is to pray and ask God to move and expect him to be there because he will. So let's pray this morning. God, we come this morning and we pray and we seek your face. God, we ask that we would be in alignment with who you are, that we would be in alignment with you, that we would, would want what you want, that we would see the, the things that you have caused us to see, that your purposes would be our purposes, your plans would be our plans. God, we set aside our expectations. We set aside our schedules and our calendars. God, we set aside the ordinary, expecting the extraordinary. 
God, we, we come this morning and we ask that you would heal our land. God, that you would move amongst your, this nation, that you would, would draw the people who are lost back to you. And God, we come this morning and we, we pray. Maybe there are specific needs that exist in the hearts of the people this morning. God, we, we bring those needs knowing that you are faithful to meet those needs. And God, we ask that you would give peace as we await with patience you to move in the lives of your people. God, we ask for patience. That is not popular. God, we ask that we would have long suffering. That fruit of the Spirit that is so easily discarded, God, that we would be patient in the midst of anything that we find ourselves, that we would be patient as we wait for you to move, but God, that we would be waiting, that we would be ready to to take action when you call. We thank you that you love us enough to be with us. You love us enough to to allow us to seek your face. You love us enough to want to be in relationship with us. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like more information about Wood Street Chapel, check out our website, woodstreetchapel.org, or email us, info at woodstreetchapel.org. Connect with us on Facebook to stay in the loop. 